Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Thanks to Inside Golf. Welcome once again to Backspin, the podcast. Brought to you by Inside Golf magazine and insidegolf.com.au. I'm Steve Anderson. Over there in the middle distance is my mate Larry Canning. Good to see you again, Larry. Hello, Steve. It's nice to be in the middle distance over here with you. Well, it's been a while, but um, anyhow, not to worry. We're back in the swing well, here. What a perfect right time now. to come back, Steve. Oh, it's good, isn't it? There's plenty going on. Oh, where well, Australia going? Really In the well. world of golf, my goodness. Goodness gracious, number one golf country in the world, surely. What's your theory? Nothing to do with us, I don't think, with our sh- Well, yeah, probably our show and, and the fact that it's taken golf all around the world, the podcast, mm. Backspin, and uh, the Australian golfers are, uh, are motivated by that, the fact that the golf has such a high profile through our show. Yeah, no, it's made a difference, I'm sure. Mm. But seriously, what, what is it? Why why are we doing so well? I, I really don't know. This is this has come as a surprise to a lot of us, not not so much that we're winning, but the the, the frequency in which we're winning. We've won same, Europe twice and America three times. It's just March. Yeah. It's the Month of March, the merry merry month of March, and here it is, two months into the year, and we're smashing the living daylights out of it, setting up for a good year. We had a quiet year last year. Yeah, maybe we were just ready to fire up, and the President's Cup has fired a few of the boys up. Yeah, too. do you think this is going to translate into the majors this year? Absolutely, definitely, yes, yes. We're just peaking at the right time. Better before the majors than after them, Steve. All right. Okay. Mm. You think it's a bit too soon, do you? You heard it here first. You heard it from Larry Canning, the bloke who who did pick the uh, the winner and the runner up of the British Open. Was that was that two years ago? That was wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't it last year? It was the year before Molinari. Molinari was the year before. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, yeah. we're going to talk to a few different people in backspin this time around. Going to catch up with Richard Fellner, the editor of Inside Golf. He's been on a, a big junket. Very big junk. Yes, yeah, the, the the golf uh, expo. It's Florida, isn't it? It's yeah, there. the PGA show. Apparently, the PGA expo. Apparently, some of the people from inside golf go over there, Steve, every year for it. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that'd be terrific. Oh, if, that'd be great. It'd yeah. give us something to talk about it on the would, show. If yeah, we went, at, the very, at the very least, yeah. yeah. That we can show, talk about other people going to it, yeah. That that uh, exhibition has a million square metres of floor space. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's crazy. How do they it? fill it? Uh, That's a lot of floor space. And imagine what they paying to get on it to, to have a, a display on that thing yeah and hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of, of people going through yeah, as well yeah but anyhow we haven't been there so we can't really talk no, about we can't it but really. Richard Fellner's been there and he'll tell us all about it while he was over there by the way he took a bit of time out a bit of rest time to go and check out a couple of tournaments the uh the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Fascinating. That would be to hear that. What is his, his opinion on that? Yeah. With, with the big, the par three with 40,000, 50,000 people on the one hole. That's the sixth length of par three. If you read the March issue of Inside Golf, you can read his opinion about it. Yeah. Because it sounds like there are a lot of people there who are not there for the golf. Again, wouldn't that have been great to be there? But the people who are there for the golf, it makes it better for them. Yes, exactly. Because all these other people are on the squirt and uh, it gives them, <laughs> gives the True golf lovers a chance to get out and watch some fine players doing their thing. The other, uh, the Broad, other broadens the culture, Steve. Broadens yeah, it. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Is it good for golf? Yeah. Let's see what Richard Feldman. Yeah, thinks. let's see that because he's a bit of a traditionalist. Yeah, isn't he? and he went to Pebble Beach. I think the week after that, no, totally different event. But AT and T. A lot of people there, a lot of celebrities who love their golf. People like Kelly Slater, surfer. Mm, mm, um, Clint Eastwood, Macklemore. You know the the singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they're good for broadening the the game as well. Bill because Murray. So many people follow them on Instagram or Facebook mm. or whatever. Yep. Anyhow, we'll talk with Richard Fellner more about that. I'm stealing all his thunder as I 
cogitate over here. <laughs> oh, gosh. My God, I've told you about cogitation. Well, Buncey's been cogitating in this studio for quite some time, yeah, so I thought it was about time someone else did it. Quite embarrassing too, Andrew. Uh, we're we're also going to head down, down the coast of New South Wales, uh, an area that's been devastated mm. by bushfires over the summer period this year. And uh, they're starting to get back on their feet. But there's a bloke down at Catalina Country Club at Batemans Bay, a, a fellow who's a friend of yours, mm-hmm. Mal Wilson, who was right in the thick of these fires. Right in the guts of it, was he? Right in the eye. He's, got a, he's taken a wonderful photo, Steve, which he is in March edition of Inside Golf, of the fires fronting up to the back of the golf course. Golf carts in front between him and the fence, the fires, then beyond the fence. Fires are three times higher than the pine trees there, I reckon. Yeah. And it's, it's a frightening photo. Yeah. Yep, yep. And the devastation that was caused by those um, There were houses those fires and stuff just, just over the other side of that yeah, fence. Yeah, incredible. What The damage that was done, but what the suffering that people have had to go through since. But they are now on the road to recovery, and there are ways that, that golfers around mm. the country can help them out. They've mm. always been great golf courses. It's a trip worth taking any time, but particularly now. Yeah. Head so down there. We'll, we'll talk with Mal Wilson about what happened during those fires down there, but what you can do to help them out now to help them get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. Larry, you are going to give us a bit of a tip that involves uh, a bit of shaft work. Yes. It's a drill that uh, helps you to rotate your body correctly and show you what impact is supposed to look and feel like. Okay. All right. Um, and it does involve um, some shaft work. Yes, a shaft inside another shaft. All right. We'll talk about that one when you give us your tip of the week. I'm sure you'll go into further detail. I'm sure all those questions that are running through people's minds like they're running through mine at the moment. Please stay tuned. I'm (laughs) sure you'll clarify things. Don't change stations. It's quite simple. You put a shaft inside another shaft and there's a head on the end of the club and and it shows you where the shaft should be. (laughs) Yeah. It's all about shafts and stuff. Leave it till the right moment. Look at poor old Buncey over there. I mean, the, the people listening can't see this. He's giggling like a little schoolboy. Well, he would too, because that's pretty well what he is, a little schoolboy, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. It's a big schoolboy. Big big little schoolboy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And you're going to have a bit of a spit as well about your old mate, the Zinger. Oh, Paul Azinger. What, what an idiot. What? What's going on? In my opinion, that is. We got rid of Johnny Miller. Yeah. After, he, after he slagged off our good mate Craig Parry. And now Hazing is telling us that no one can play unless you win on the US Tour. Yeah. What? Seriously? Mm. Anyhow, save it. I, I can hear your, your blood yeah, pressure okay. yeah, My uh, voice goes a little rising. higher when I get angry, doesn't it? Yeah. <coughs> yeah. But we're going to talk some more about you in a little while from now, Zinger. <laughs> it's coming, Zing. It's coming your way. All that coming up in Backspin, thanks to Inside Golf. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. This is Backspin, thanks to Inside Golf, and uh, on the phone we have none other than the editor of Inside Golf himself, Richard Fellner. Hello, Richard. G'day, boys. How are you? Hello, Richard. It's Larry here. How are you, mate? Oh, Larry, I've missed you, mate. Is it getting close to deadline? It's just past deadline, and <laughs> believe it or not, you actually... You actually made deadline for once, but you're, you're already late for the next one. <laughs> right. Okay, that was my one for the year, mate. <laughs> one for the year or one for your career? A career, yes, my yeah. career. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Listen, you've, uh, you've been busy, Richard. You went to the PGA show in uh, yeah. Orlando. I mean, I've heard so much about this event. The thing that gets me, and we were talking about this earlier, is the amount of floor space that they fill at the PGA show. It's incredible. It is absolutely nuts. Uh, You walk into that place, they got a a million square feet of exhibit space in this uh, exhibition center, and they say it's 10 miles of aisles. Oh, man. And and I walked every step of them, (laughs) looking at all the gear. And I tell you, it's over, you know, three, four days. Uh, it's a lot of walking and it's a lot of product, but boy, is it exciting. Did you hit some shots? 
over there? Did you go to some ranges and, and, and do some yeah. trials of gear and stuff? And So the, the event starts at um, this giant driving range outdoors, which is 400 yards in diameter. It's circular. So they have all the manufacturers and stuff on the outer rim, and they all hit balls into the middle of this giant range. Every manufacturer is there, and you get to demo and test everything. Now, this year, it was extremely windy and cold. It was like the, a record cold snap for Orlando, which, you know, you go to Orlando and you expect it to be warm, and it was mm-hmm. absolutely freezing cold. In fact, an uh, interesting side note, it was so cold that iguanas were falling out of trees. They were so cold that they fell onto the ground and died. Is that a measure of how cold it is when iguanas <laughs> fall out of a tree? Yeah, I guess, what do they say? It's like a seven iguana day. It's a six iguana day. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, that's the first day of it. And then the second day, inside the exhibition space, it's so big that they've got an indoor driving range where you can actually hit all the products indoors, which is just incredible. And so I hit pretty much anything that I could find, <laughs> even some golf clubs, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. Like, yeah, I, I tried absolutely everything. So what were the highlights for you? You know, I, I'm struggling to get my head around the fact that there is that much yeah. exhibition space. But given in the 400-round circle, 400-metre round circle. Yeah driving range yeah. thing, which is, oh, that's just bizarre. What, what stands out? What really stood out for you as you walked those 10 miles of aisles? You know, it's, it's funny because I thought about this afterwards, and you think about all the highlights, and, you know, obviously the major manufacturers all have an incredible story with their new gear. This year, it was more about technology than anything. So, for example, Callaway with their new Maverick driver, it's all about how artificial intelligence helped design part of the driver and things like that. And, you know, it sounds at first like it's a marketing thing. But when you dig down deep, they're telling me about how their engineers, you know, before would design a club with certain specifications. And they say, well, what if we increase this a millimeter? What if we do this and that and this and that? And now they can put all of this into the computer and the computer can do, you know, thousands or millions of different computations and different configurations and come up with something that Even the engineers were like, whoa, I didn't even think about that. So in this case, they had an internal support rib that was going at a certain degree, which the engineers would have never thought of. And it's actually increased the performance and it's made the sound a lot better and so on and so forth. So it's kind of like, you know, robots and computers are going to be designing clubs in the future. And every manufacturer had stories like that, which was just incredible. You've mentioned Callaway Maverick there. That's obviously caught your eye. Were there some others that, and we're talking golf clubs, but let's, let's go with drivers. Was yeah. there another driver that you felt was um, had as, as equal amount of a technology? And, and did you hit it? So I hit the Maverick, absolutely loved it. Um, I hit the Cobra Speed Zone, you know, the whole series of drivers and woods. They were really impressive and exciting. Ping, their stuff is always good. I mean, Every, every manufacturer has really exciting stuff that's really good, and I think what it boils down to is the individual player. Like, you know, I hit some Zexio stuff, which I know you love the mm-hmm. Zexio mm-hmm. stuff. But, you know, that Zexio stuff, it's different because it's, you know, a bit more offset and it's a bit to, you know, help certain players. Yep. So you have to look at each piece of equipment as what the, the target market is. Mm-hmm. So it's all really incredible. One other thing that was quite exciting was, you know, the Mizuno. So, you know, they've got some outstanding forged putters that they've just come out with. So they've, they've not done putters in however long it's been. And so they've got this whole new line of putters, which felt so good on the green. Like, I didn't want to give them back, you know, to be mm-hmm. honest. But, you know, they've got a very tight rein. They know when I'm coming, they, they're like, okay, we've got to lock up <laughs> certain things because Fellner's going to take it. And then some of the other non-club stuff. So, like, Bushnell has come out with this new combination GPS and Bluetooth speaker. So it's, oh. it's got a magnet on it. 
you stick it right on your golf buggy and it's got a really strong magnet and you can just blare your tunes you know as loud as you want and it's got a really good deep sound and then it's got gps on it as well so you can stream it from your spotify from your phone radio whatever you want to do now it's probably not the kind of thing you'd have at you know royal melbourne but for the average uh, you know social golfer the guy that you know goes out at the public courses they love it i know a couple of my mates that were just drooling when i was sending photos of this they're like oh give me one of those can i play music like to calm you down sort of music does it sense that you're really going to spit the dummy you're about to throw your, your maverick driver into the into the hazard and does this nice calm music just come on and just sort of calm you down and like a bob rogers well, on radio it's, or it's whatever you want to listen to i've got this thing at home you know the hey google thing and or uh, what do they call those steve the little pod things you, yeah, you put next Go- to you. Google Home. They know all about you. They know so much yeah, stuff about you. That's why I don't have one. Yeah, well, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit scary because it, this thing knows way too much about me and I'm concerned maybe I've got a device that'll tell me that I'm really crap at golf now. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, you don't need a device to tell you that. <laughs> I've got an editor that, that right? can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it, look, it doesn't have that, but, you know, you can configure it to, to do whatever you want, and it's, you know, they're, they're great. So I, it's called the Bushnell Wingman, and, um, you know, that'll be out here, I think, next month. It's, um, it, it's quite exciting. So, you know, there's, there's that kind of stuff, and the GPS, and, you know, it's, you know and even, like, the shoes. Yeah, like, there were some amazing shoe things that I found out there. So you've got, for example, there, those studies just come out about spikeless shoes versus spiked shoes. Yep, yep. And how you can actually gain six yards per shot with a shoe that has replaceable spikes on it because you're getting better traction. So that's been a proven fact. And so, of course, all the manufacturers of shoe spikes are coming out saying, oh, yeah, you know, of course, this is great. When you you say shoe spikes, Richard, you're talking metal, are you? Well, no, just the replaceable cleats. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was incredible. Um, and then, you know, Sun Mountain has this uh, this motorbike uh, that you can ride around on the golf course that's kind of like instead of a golf buggy, you've got this <laughs> this motorbike that you're riding around the course, which was an awful lot of fun. Great photo of that. Steve and I were looking at it on our computer. It's called Finn, F-I-N-N. That's right. It's the Finn scooter. That's yeah, correct. Yeah, it looks fantastic. It's a newer model. So they came out with it um, last year, the year before. And this one's all upgraded and souped up. And I tell you, I took it out on the course at Lake Nona out there. And it goes fast. It, it gets to the point where you're like, oh, I think I'm going a bit too fast mm. on this golf course. But it's fun. <laughs> and that's, uh, they haven't said when that's going to be coming out, but it will be coming out here soon. Yeah, that look, does look cool. Sounds like a lot of fun, Richard. It really does. Look, it's something that, you know, inside golf, we've gone every year for the past, whatever, nine, ten years. Oh, okay. It's something that oh, that's we good don't... to hear, Steve, isn't it, that they've gone to ten years? Yeah. yeah. It's good to yeah, hear we, that some people from inside golf are going to the trade show. Don't right. you get sick of it and, you know, thinking maybe next year we can send someone else over there? No, we rotate it a little bit. So, oh, you know, good, good. Sam, oh, okay. Sam goes yeah. every year, but... You know, I'll go every two years or whatever, and then we have other people that, that kind of go. But it's not, oh, other it's people. not something yeah, I'd okay. ever get sick of. Who are the other people? You know, I, I love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's always different. You know, maybe one year we can take Larry. Up, maybe. <laughs> Steve maybe. Anderson. Uh, well, I'll, I'm happy to go Steve? once every 10 years. That's all right. If I, can, <laughs> if I can get in the rotation, that's all right. Just to fill out your application and we'll review it. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Good stuff. Now, let's move on from the uh, the PGA show to the tournament you went over there. It's got one of the worst names in um, in the world yeah, of golf. It? Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the uh, waste-, waste Management Phoenix Open. That's correct. So this was actually the week after the PGA show, so it actually fit in really well with our schedule. It's usually a week later. So 
we went to Phoenix. My parents live in Phoenix, so we went over there and uh, walked out of their place and then went to the tournament. It, it's famous for the 16th hole, which is a par 3, short little par 3, but they've built over the years. It's gotten bigger and bigger. They now have this giant stadium around it where they can seat 20,000 people isn't on the that, one hole. Isn't that extraordinary? Through the week, they get 700,000 people through the gates, which is absolutely nuts. Now, when you Richard, think about it, we wouldn't get... The, the, yeah. is, is this not the biggest, the, the the most patronized sporting event in the world? Am I got that right? It's, yeah, it's something like that. In the last few years, they haven't stated the exact numbers because they wanted to focus more on the charitable contributions and things like that. Right. But it is definitely up there. If not the, it's, it's one of the largest sporting events in the world. Mm. And every one of these 700,000 people that go through the gates have one thing on their mind, and that's alcohol. <laughs> well, they, right? they don't care so much about the golf. Like <laughs> they, they like the golf. Probably 10% of them actually go out and watch the sport. The rest of them are just there to see and be seen. It's incredible. I love your description of it in uh, Inside Golf where you call it uh, you say think of it as a combination of Schoolies Week and the Melbourne Cup. (laughs) Now I haven't been to Schoolies Week but I've been to the Melbourne Cup so uh, you know wow. It's exactly right and I mean the people you know Scottsdale's finest are you know wandering around just going from you know bar station to bar station you know pub area and they have a couple of these little areas where you can just sit down and and just get smashed all day and then at the end of the day they have this thing called the bird's nest where everybody goes and it's uh it's a nightclub and they have these top names and music and all that it's it's just incredible but the the interesting thing is that so many people don't really care about the golf. Mm. As a golf fan, you go out and you can walk the fairways, and you're right. You can right up in the ropes. You can see the players. There's no you know three or four people deep. It's actually very open out on the course. So we got to see some incredible golf while we were out there. I noticed there are a certain group of very top line players that don't play there, and I guess that's maybe a bit of the, the culture of the tournament may not suit the way they see the game going or whether they enjoy it or not. Or You know, I, you can see some players really embrace it, don't they? Some absolutely love it, you know, when they can sit on the tee of the 16th or they're getting ready to yep. tee off and they're getting the arms in the air saying, come on, make some yeah. noise. And it's actually a very difficult, it's a tough crowd there because you can hit the green and still get booed. It, you know, you have to hit it within about, you know, a couple of meters, yep. like a meter or two to get any kind of yay. And if you miss, like, a 30-footer putt, everyone's, boo, ah, you know, which is normally, like, a 1% kind of make. So it's, it's a very tough crowd. But uh, there are certainly a lot of golfers that probably would not gotten on to that kind of uh, that noise. Mm. It, it's quite difficult. So um, is it good for golf? Will it help grow look, the game, do you think? So I wrote about this in, mm. in the latest issue, and I don't think it's as good of a way to grow the game as, say, the, the Pebble Beach, the uh, AT&T Pro-Am. The difference with the Pebble Beach is that the people are there to watch the golf, and it's you know some amazing golf, and each of the pros are paired with an amateur partner, and these are all celebrities. So you've got Bill Murray going around, you've got Larry Fitzgerald, you've got Aaron Rodgers, you know, top NFL players, you've got Huey Lewis and singers and, and things like that. And these guys are the absolute best ambassadors for golf. So, you know, if people, if fans will see, for example, there's a a rapper called Macklemore, and he's got like a million fans on Facebook and Instagram. And if they see him in his golfing outfit and seeing how excited he is about golf, you know, that will help promote the game incredibly, far more than something like the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So it's two very different tournaments. Interesting. Because Mm. they have tried the party hole idea in Australia. Remember, Larry, we were Mm. at the Australian Open. I think out at at the Australian 
course. Yes, it was the eleventh grand. Yeah, yeah, and um, they had a party hole. This would be fifteen years ago. Wouldn't yeah, um, it? yeah, be uh, close yeah. enough to. Yeah, yeah, be close. Yeah, and we single-handedly dismantled the idea. <laughs> I think by. <laughs> Heck, heckling we poor did. old Terry Price. You humiliated our sons in the process. Remember yeah, they, they our sons took were off. there. Yeah, they, 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 well, they went there long after we got there. Never went back to no, a party hole. No. Anyhow, so it has been tried, but do you think there's room to give it another crack, or is it one of those things... The Australian that PGA has it, Steve. The Australian PGA has it on the yeah, 16th but, hole there. But, but not it, on this scale. Oh, no, no, nowhere near that. No, nothing yeah. like 20,000 people. Is it, no. is, it, is, is it worth aiming, Richard, for something like that? You know, I mean, obviously not to that extent, but is it uniquely always going to be Scottsdale or, you know? Is there scope for it? And is it necessary mm. to establish it? That's the point Richard just made, is yeah. it? Yeah, is it really yeah. necessary? Look, I don't think it's necessary to try and establish an entire tournament that's surrounded as a party hole tournament. I think that, you know, when we had it at the PGA, it certainly has a place here because that can help get, you know, as long as you've got something for the juniors to do and, you know, and the women and get people involved in golf and then you've got the party stuff, the party atmosphere, yeah, there's absolutely room for it. But I don't think it's the be-all, end-all way that, that golf needs to be promoted. It's something that we can certainly try here and there, but, look, I'm not sold on the idea personally. We'll take your word for it, because we, Steve and I haven't been there yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Yet. Yet well, being yes, up in yes. word. Again, put in an application and we'll consider your application. I'm going to do my darndest to get into that rotation, Richard Fellner. <laughs> Doing my darndest. Well, we'd love to have you guys. It, it's, uh, it, it's definitely something that it was a lot of fun and it's something that everybody should try, you know, at least once in their life. Very good. All right, mate, thank you for that uh, wrap-up. Some fantastic stuff. And check out the article because you go into quite a bit of detail about what you saw at the PGA show, don't you, in the, the March issue of Inside Golf? Yeah, we've got um, pages and pages of all the new gear. Yeah, it's a, it's a full rundown on that. Plus, we've got a bunch of other great stuff like we do, always do in the magazine. So it's definitely worth, worth checking out. In a roundabout way, you were referring to Larry's column, <laughs> weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> We always save the best for last, and Larry's all the way at the last end of the day. <laughs> Good on you, Richard. You're thanks, mate. We'll talk to you soon. See you, mate. All right. Thanks, guys. Travel the world and play golf. Let's go somewhere with Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Over the summer of 2019-2020, many parts of Australia were absolutely ravaged by bushfires, and it seemed at the time like they would just never end. One of the most devastated areas was the far south coast of New South Wales, with a number of communities copying the full force of the flames, causing widespread devastation, unbearable heartache as well, and lots of issues in the aftermath that a lot of these communities are still coming to terms with weeks after the event. One person who was right in the middle of what transpired over that time with the bushfires was Mal Wilson, the head professional at Catalina Country Club in Batemans Bay, and we have Mal on the phone right now. G'day, Mal. How you going? G'day, Mal. How are you, mate? Larry and Steve here. How are you, mate? Hey, Larry, Steve. Mal, paint a picture for us what it was like. At, I mean, we've heard so much about it, but these eyewitness accounts of what it was like at the time, just incredible to hear. Paint the picture for us. We just had reports of the fires getting closer and closer. This is on New Year's Eve, so about 11.30... Me and my shop assistant hopped in the cart and, and drove out to the back of the 16th green just because we could we could see a bit of fire and smoke. We just thought we'd better go check on the back of the course. By the time we got out there and then hopped back in the cart, we couldn't see 10 metres in front of us. The whole area was just orange. Mal, it's the speed, isn't it? I mean, we've had a little bit of a snippet of it here in the Southern Highlands. And oh. About 20 years ago, we came really close, as you have, but it's the speed it can happen, isn't it? It's terrifying. Absolutely. As I said, like, 
we were pretty safe. We were on the golf course, but I got out of the car to take a photo of the burning on the side of the course. Within 15 seconds, we couldn't see it all. The smoke and the haze had come over so quick, and we just hightailed it back to the pro shop. You know, midday on New Year's Day, it was just orange, completely orange. There's an amazing photo that's appeared in Inside Golf magazine that you took, and, and really that's... That's why you're on, Mel, not because you're talented, because you, you, were, you, were the, you got the photo at the right time, mate. You took it with your phone, didn't you? I just had to be in the right spot at the right time and, um, and took that. And just, yeah, you know, where, where you can see the flames there, that, that's a lot of residential. You know, the next day, they, they'd lost about 20 houses oh, down that God. way. So half a dozen of our members, a couple of our staff lost their houses. It's just scary stuff. So what's going through your mind when you're standing there taking a photo like that? I mean, the foreground of it, and as Larry said, it's in Inside Golf. If people want to have a look, they can go to insidegolf.com.au and check it out. But what's going through your mind? Because the foreground, it's all business as usual. The carts are there. You know, the course is lovely and green and looking good. But in the background is this incredible inferno. What were you thinking? Well, your first thought is, are we safe? Yeah. My gut instinct is, well, if I can't come that far down to the golf course, we're safe. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, are we? When you see all the the orange and whatever, and then you start thinking of it. If it looks that bad there, how about the houses down? You know, Vista Parade and Heron Road back there, so... And, and yeah, do you stay there or do you get out? Yeah, and as we said, it's quick. Those flames in this photo, they're like three times higher than that, those trees, and they're huge pine trees, aren't they? Oh, and wow, we're about a, seven or eight k's from the town called Mogo that was just yeah, you know, gutted yeah. by fire, so we're only eight k's from there. My belief was we were pretty safe, but it's still just, you know, it goes through your head, what do we do? So we just stayed at a club there. They ended up turning the club into an evacuation centre. There was that many people coming into town from outside. And the club stayed open 24-7 for two days. Organisations and buildings like the club become so important in the aftermath of an event like this. And to an extent in that community, things are still needing to be done. Forget about the evacuation side of it's over, but the rebuilding really seems to be taking some time. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be a lot of building going on down here. Just getting people's lives back on board. You know, the members that have lost their houses, obviously they've lost everything, their clubs as well, so... You know, we've got a demo day coming up next Wednesday where a lot of the members who lost their clubs can get refitted out. Mm. They come in the shop, you know, I just give them whatever higher clubs or, or demo clubs you've got so they can get out and actually try and get back to a bit of normality. I think that's the key. That would be a real big key, yeah, because there's obviously health issues, mental health issues that, that come with this, aren't there, Mel? Absolutely, yeah. Just um, As I said, one of our greenkeepers, he was at a place called Lake Conjola, which you might have heard of, just north of us. He was in the car trying to get out. He couldn't get back, couldn't get forwards, and he ended up just driving through the, the, the flames to get back oh, on the Princess Highway. Geez. His comment to me was, Mal, I stuffed up, I left it too late. So um, he's okay now, his family's okay, but you know, when he was speaking to me about it in the golf shop, the bottom lip's quivering. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is yeah. five days, six days after, yep. and he's got out, but he just said, I, I stuffed up. Things like that are going through, obviously, their minds. I, I was pretty lucky. Like, I, it didn't affect my house too much, but we were putting embers out on our balcony on New Year's Eve a little bit. But not, not like these guys that lost their houses. And, you know, where do you start? Since the fires, we've seen extraordinary generosity from people around Australia donating money and goods and services to those who have been affected. But one of the most effective ways to really help out is to actually go back to areas like Batemans Bay and surrounds and go and spend some money. And golf is a really good draw card for getting people back into these communities, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. The town lost all the trade from, you know, the ACT, Canberra, Sydney. The town's back open running. The whole town was shut for five days. You couldn't get in or out. The golf course is still good. I mean, from what I'm hearing, Mal, your course wasn't hurt at all. The other courses no. weren't hurt that badly either, weren't no. burnt or anything. So they're, they're, they're no. up and running, aren't they? 
Absolutely. We were up and running. Um, first day the club was able to open back up with power, we were back open, up and running and we lost a lot of social clubs and social players. But at the moment, we, we've got them all coming back and, and we're doing okay at Catalina. Our turnover in the shop itself was down 50%. Yeah, it's going to hurt. Wow. And we're a big club, so you can imagine what the smaller businesses yeah. down went through where they won't get it back that easy. Yeah. We're just trying to get people back on the courses. You know, as you said, um, we're open for business. We've got a few um, days coming up in the clubhouse to get people back. You had Alan Jones down for doing a couple of radio sessions down out of the club. So the whole community sort of banding together just to get let people know, hey, we are open down here. Even the smaller places like Maruya and you know, up the road at Mollymook, those places as well. We're talking about some bloody good golf courses too, Mel, aren't we? I mean, Maitman's Bay is a beautiful golf course that's playable for good. everyone, isn't it? I mean, you, yeah, you and I can get, well, maybe we couldn't get around. We'd get around nine holes maybe on it. Oh, look, off the yellow markers, I'm quite, yeah, yeah. quite happy to get around there. Absolutely. We've just got a championship course here with a championship club professional. We're lucky we've got 27 holes, championship course. You know, and you've got a, a, another club down the road called Maruya, great little track. Beautiful course. Got Molly Mook up the road, another championship yep, course. Yep. Too good for me up there. The, yeah, that is a good yeah, look, track, all isn't the course, it? And, we, and we're always in good things down here. We, we're very lucky. So. And if you want to go yeah. a bit further south, you're going to end up at Narooma, aren't you? And there's a course. Oh, oh how go, good is that? is a great course too. Eden, Vega, they, they all copped it with the, with yep. the fires too, so... All the courses are open and ready for business. So A mutual friend of ours, as you know, Mel, Chris Hearn, had to evacuate from his house. He was out there, out of there for two or three weeks. Luckily, his daughter lives at Marimbula, I think, and they were okay there. But there was a week or two where he thought he would be coming back to just ashes. Um, he well, was very lucky, and, and, and he, he, his house survived. But it's affected, obviously... Everyone, oh. but the golf industry, we've got a lot of our friends that um, it's, another, really, it's really hit them. Another mate of ours, Larry, um, Dave Bennett, is down that yep, way too. Yeah, of course, yeah. He's the other side of Naruma, and uh, yeah, I was keeping in contact with him, but mm. uh, you know, I said to him, look, if you ever get stuck, there's always a better at our place. With the six-pack, would that cover a room at your place? A couple of bottles of grain turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, D- Dave's a manly fan, so you don't charge him anything. You lay, you lay the red carpet out. <laughs> Mel, thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, the message is get down there. Get down and spend a bit of money. Play a bit of golf and spend a bit of money but, in some of those local absolutely. businesses down there. Yeah. As, as they said, look, come down with an esky, bring an empty esky down, fill it up and have a great time down here. That's the, the whole show's over. Good on you, Mel. Thank you, mate. Thanks for being part of the show. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Larry. He's only here to help the world play better golf. So settle back and enjoy this tasty tip from Larry Canning on Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Larry, this is a fairly simple one, really, but could be pretty effective for a lot of people. What are you doing? You're putting a shaft inside the shaft of another golf club. So you cut the end of the grip off and you drive an old shaft down into the shaft so that you now have a golf club with a grip on it, but a shaft sticking out the grip end another couple of feet. Like a snooker cue almost. Yep. With a, with a golf club head on the end. What this is going to show you, how you should feel at impact, as opposed to how most of us feel we should feel at impact, is the golf club trying to go under the golf ball to lift it. And this gives us a what we call, Steve, club head throwaway, which is one of the most common um, faults I see in amateur players and my pupils over the years. Clubhead throwaway is when you get to the top of your backswing. This has got very boring all of a sudden, hasn't it? Well, speed it up a bit. <laughs> Clubhead throwaway. When you get to the top of your backswing, a lot of players feel they've got to throw the club at the ball and leave their body behind. Otherwise, they won't make proper contact. 
if your body leads that downswing movement, then you will actually make better contact. And this shows you how to do that. You can start off with slow motion golf swings with this extra bit of shaft sticking at the end. It'll feel strange at the beginning because it'll put your hands in a different spot at the start. But mm. take some slow motion golf swings and you'll see the shaft that's sticking at the end of the other shaft will hit your hip and prevent you from throwing the club away. So you've got to keep rotating your body to get the club back onto the golf ball, which is exactly what the golf swing should look like. So it keeps you in a certain position. Like it doesn't allow you to get out of alignment in that swing. If you keep on that rotation, it'll work. You've got to rotate to get back to the golf ball, yes. Because if you throw the club away, the shaft will hit you on the left hip and you physically can't do it. If you're good enough and you can make the club maybe buffer it up a little bit with some tape around the shaft as you're jamming it in the other shaft, you'll be able to hit some shots with it. And I've done that. And it's not impossible. Like You can't hit them overly hard, but it's great for chipping because that's how you're supposed to chip, basically, with the slight body rotation, moving your arms and keeping the hands and the club behind you. So it's your body that's getting back to the ball, not your hands and the club. So how much extra shaft should there be? Enough to go past your hip. Right. So if you've got a, a, a shaft where a head's just fallen off, you go to the pro shop. The pro will have a, a busted shaft there somewhere. You want most of it left. As I said, you cut off the top of the grip so you, just, you can see the shaft. So you don't do it on your normal clubs. You get an old club. Everyone's got an old club at home, an 8-iron or, or a 9-iron. Jam the shaft, the tip of the shaft, into the other shaft, and then you, you've got double shafts. You've got two shafts sticking out of the golf club. Double shaft. Double shaft, Steve. Yes, double the, shaft. And you can, it's a wonder you can't buy them from some of the shops you often go to. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm not going to think aloud, but I'm going to your bar in the, the future sometime, the, the busted shaft. The shaft. <laughs> <laughs> we should open up a pub, shouldn't we? Yeah, the busted shaft. The busted shaft. Let's move on to Paul Azinger. Oh, what? And a- your spit of the week. Why has he got you so cranky? Speaking of throwaway, what a tosser. is <laughs> Paul Azinger. Well, he said this, Steve, and I'll quote. This was the Honda Classic when Lee Westwood and Tommy Fleetwood were right up the top of the leaders board. Yeah. Now, Lee Westwood has won twice on the US PGA Tour. I call it the US PGA Tour. They just call it the PGA Tour. Like, there isn't any others. Well, they have the World Series of Baseball and no other countries take part. Very much like that. It's an American competition. We don't hate Americans, Steve. We we love Americans. But Paul Ozinger, we don't like a lot because of some of the stuff he said. Now, he mentioned in in an interview after the third round with Lee Westwood that you've only won twice in America, you know, which which caught my attention when he said it. And obviously Lee Westwood's because Lee Westwood came back with, well, I've won 44 other times around the world. And Ozinger came back, not when Westwood was there, and said that the US Tour, sorry, he calls it the PJ Tour, and, and I'll quote this, Steve. This is referring to Westwood's previous day interview. You can win all you want on the European Tour, international game and all that, but you have to win on the PGA Tour. Bang. Wow. Do you really think that's the only tour in the world? He went on to refer to how Westwood did take offence to what he said earlier. It's not the PGA Tour, though, and they know that, and I think Tommy knows that, it puts a lot more pressure on the boys in the PGA Tour. Well, it doesn't, in my opinion. No, no, it doesn't at all. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood, is, I think he's had two US Open runner-ups, a British Open runner-up. He goes to America when he wants to. He plays in what he wants to play in. Obviously, he's over there leading up into something, probably the Players' Championship, which they, again, the PGA Tour, consider the fifth major. Of course, mm. they do. But he doesn't. he's not going to sweat it if he doesn't win. And he didn't win that event. But let me play devil's advocate on this one. Aren't there, and let's put players like Lee Westwood, Tommy Fleetwood to one side. At some stage in their career, well, let's not put them to one side. Let's include them in this. At some stage in their career, wouldn't they have aspirations of playing on the the American PGA Tour? Full time. Yeah. Why? 
But as up-and-coming golfers, you don't think they would have had that. You don't think that there are a lot of uh, professional golfers around the world. I, I and, see your and, point. And their end game is playing yeah, I, I, full-time I on the PGA Tour. So the point I'm making, and as I say, playing, I, I disagree with what Azing has said, but aren't there so many professional golfers out there who would love to be on the American Tour full-time, and I that's th- it? I think there are some, definitely. And they aspire to that point. I reckon there'd be Australians that would want to play on the US Tour, yes. I also believe there are Australians that want to play on the European tour. And to be acknowledged as a worldwide tour player, yeah. you need to play the world of tournaments. Now, you can look at specifics, and I've just noticed that Luke Elvey, uh, who I know, who's, has posted something as, as a Twitter, he said, I would back Lee Westwood and uh, Tommy Fleetwood against Scott Stallings, who has won, I think, three times yeah. on the PJ Tour. Scott Stallings, yeah, wow. Well, yeah. that's congratulations, Scott. Have you come second in the British Open? Nah. That's the downside of this particular comment that Azing has made, is that it diminishes the worth of winning anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. I believe he's casting dispersions on players that win in Europe as opposed to those that win in the States. But the Ryder Cup, Steve, I think it's 12 Ryder Cups. I think it's 11, actually. The last 11 Ryder Cups, Europe have won nine of them. It's something along those lines. It's crazy how better the European players are playing against the Americans. Now, every second one of those is in America. Every second event they play in, they play in the States. They've beaten them every time there. Yeah. Bar two. They've won two, we've won nine. Tell me that you have to win on the USPJ Tour to be a better player. It doesn't It's. It does not work for me. I hate the fact, Steve, when they took US off the front of PGA Tour and just made it the PGA Tour. Mm. Like there well, is, there would, is no other. It would be interesting to know in hindsight whether Paul Azinger would change his wording slightly. Having heard the feedback following what he said, it would be interesting to know whether he, he you know, put a little rider on the end of it to say, well, that's not quite what I meant, but I don't know. What do you think? No? I'll just one last quote, but this is where they want to be, isn't it? This Again, referring to the PJ Tour. They want to come here. They want to prove that they can win at this level. Yeah, okay. What level is that? that mm. Mate, that's, that's the same level in Europe. I'm telling I'm guaranteeing it. Yeah. They are as good in Europe as they are in America. Yeah. Guys like Fleetwood and, and, and Lee Westwood, I mean, they've got that much money and they haven't played that much in the States. Why do they, they haven't won in the States. And he's a multimillionaire. And he's mm. one of the best players in the world. He's, he's higher up in the rankings. Lee Westwood was world number one. Azingham wasn't world number one. Mm. And Scott Stallings, what number is he? I don't know. <laughs> well, I can tell you it's not number one. We'd have to go looking. Anyhow, listen, you go and relax for a while. <sighs> Thank you for that. So much better. Thank you for that tip. Do I look better? That you look much better. Thank, Thank you. you for that little spit. I think uh, having a bit of a spit in Paul Azinger's direction has done wonders <laughs> for you. <laughs> Thanks again, Larry. It's always good to get together and talk golf with you. Thank you, Steve. And yes, it's a pleasure to have me in your studio. This has been Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf, and we'll talk with you again very soon. Mm-hmm.